2: Hello and welcome to episode 24 of I'm a dumb woman, get me out of here, where here is, of course, the current working environment that offers little flexibility as well as monetary discrimination to women. Yay! Yay! I'm your host woman, secretly judges you for not eating a spider, Hannah Barrel. With me are minor celebrities, niche groupie
1: Alexandra Haddo. I once dated a guy that went on shipwrecked in 2007 and I've had a bath with the presenter of a BBC craft show. <laughs> And only
2: here for a bit of ethnic flavour, Caroline O'Donoghue. Hi, Hannah! Some viewers might find it insulting
3: that an Irish person is the only show of diversity on this show, but that's structural racism for you. So, with that,
2: let's get on to our first challenge starting the show. We've sent Paul Burrell off to get the teas, so for now we'll be studying people, man made structures, and music. So, by the end of it, you'll be able to sing interesting biographies from the top of a dam. So, Alex, as you've uh, mentioned before, you like
1: old men, don't you? Blessed be the fruit of lols, because he is. I am talking, of course, of Brian Blessed, mm. who I don't feel has got enough recognition as the national treasure that he is.
2: Is he the really loud
1: one? Yeah. Has he got long hair? Not really. I think I might be thinking of Billy Connolly.
3: Do you know who I think I'm confusing him with as well? Is there someone called Brian Butterfield?
1: Yes, that's Peter Serafinowicz's character. Brian Butterfield's (laughs) Christmas pizza. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were doing him. Pizza, birthday pie. Bon, 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 bon. Yes, that's my favourite thing on the internet. That's Brian Butterfield's diet plan. Sadly, I'm doing Brian Blessed, but who is also very interesting. Okay. Brian Blessed is ostensibly a UK actor. He's 81. Would you like to look up a picture of him now, see if you know who he is? Oh, yes. The dummies are using their... Apple devices. Brian, 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 Brian. Yes. Other brands are available. He looks loud, doesn't he? Yes. Oh, yeah. He looks like he's played several kings. Yes, exactly. He played uh, Kevin Costner's dad in Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves. Oh yeah, which is a very popular. He's in Peppa Pig. Yeah, he's in Peppa Pig as well. God, I don't need you. you have Google and now. I know. Yeah, get off the internet okay. now. And in Tarzan. Um, have you both watched Gavin and Stacey? Mm-hmm. Yes. Brian Blessed is Nessa but he's actually done everything. He's 81 years old. He is an actor. He was born in Yorkshire to... um, His father was like a die-hard member of like the socialist club and who was a minor and he came from like a very modest background which you wouldn't think now because he's very sort of pronounced when he speaks and he's one of yeah. those people and he's very famous for his catchphrase gordon's alive from flash gordon which they make him do on every single tv show have so never he heard that wait so he was in was as in in Black Adder? he was in Blackadder as well <gasps> that was him yeah he's in the first series of Blackadder as the guy that jumps in all the time
2: who am I thinking Are about? you thinking of
1: Lord Flashard? Yeah, That's Rick Mayle. Oh! He's been in everything. He's done everything. Wow. He's never touched anyone up, ostensibly. He's never been accused of anything. The guy is unbelievable. Um, loads of stuff he says, people don't know whether he's fucking with them or not. But, like, there are certain things that he definitely has done. He's lived an incredible life. He's scaled Everest three times. What? He's what? the oldest man to reach the magnetic North Pole and the North Pole. Um, he's had 800 hours of cosmonaut training, and he was supposed to go into space for his 80th birthday last year, but oh my I gosh. did some extensive research, and he hasn't gone yet, but I think he's still up for it. Wow. Watch any I like your extensive research now implies he might have done it in secret. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, okay, I just want to check that he definitely hasn't. Like, all of these are saying he's going next year, and he's still alive, and there's no sort of evidence that he has gone. He's just like one of these wonderful, eccentric men that's like, you know got such a zest for life oh and he's god. like i'm not gonna age like i'm gonna live forever he's in this interview and they're like what do you think how do you think people will remember you when you die and he's like i'm not gonna die <laughs> he's just amazing thanks for other people yeah exactly and oh my he's, god
2: what if he's dead by the time the podcast goes out <gasps> we should do a disclaimer that brian blessed might be dead by now and oh, if yeah. so sorry brian we love you
1: yeah we do he's just amazing he Tells all these stories, and like I say, some people, including the woman that was interviewing him on Radio 4, did not believe this happened. But he has told this story several times, that he once delivered a baby in Richmond Park. No. In in 1963, he was in Richmond Park going for a run or a walk, and there was a woman that had gone into labour under a tree. And she was panicking and everything. And, you know, Richmond Park's absolutely massive. He claims there was nobody around. And because he was one of quite a lot of kids, his mum was one of 13 kids and they were in Yorkshire in the mining towns. He says he's had experience with seeing babies being born and it wasn't didn't freak him out or anything like that. He claims he delivered the baby, gnawed through the umbilical cord and licked the baby's face clean so he could give it to the woman oh no that's not the, that's taken a turn it's fine it was the 60s you could have done a lot worse
3: 1963 yeah JFK died
1: Oh, <laughs> related. How are these two veins related? My <laughs> favourite thing when hearing about this, because there's all these things, all these articles, thousands of articles on the internet being like why Brian Blessed is the best man alive, the most interesting man alive, 19 things that Brian Blessed has done and survived. He survived a plane crash in Venezuela and it took them 11 days to find civilization again. What? He also claims that he punched a polar bear in the face oh. when he was in the North Pole. And the guy interviewing him was like, yeah, you're not serious. He was like, I'm deadly serious. Like, it attacked me and I lashed out just out of reaction and it it went away. The guy is either a brilliant liar, but I choose to just believe, even if they're brilliant lies, like Spike Milligan said, would you rather hear a boring truth or an interesting lie? But some of them are absolute facts. Like, he has gone up Everest. All that stuff's true. So you kind of believe the other stuff as well because you're like, Mm. this guy is indestructible. And he's an—he's just an actor. I mean, yeah, you know. that's
3: clearly like not even like his main deal. Like he's just like yeah. this is why he makes cash. Is that yeah. it? Yeah.
1: Um, but just quickly going back to the delivery in Richmond Park. Oh yeah. Um, my favourite bit about researching this all day was that at the end of a Telegraph article about it, it says, "Were you delivered by Brian Blessed in Richmond Park <laughs> oh in 1963? Gosh. Do you know anything about this? Please contact Telegraph News on 0207 Blah blah blah. The um, thing is, if you're born in Richmond, you probably
3: do read telegraphs, so...
1: Yeah, but imagine <laughs> reading that and being like, oh, that was me. <laughs> um, even when he was speaking to David Cameron, apparently David Cameron, when he was Prime Minister, he paused and said, can you do Gordon's Alive for me? And he was like, Gordon's Alive! He just bursts into it every, every, like, two or three sentences. I've so never heard that ever. What is no, it from? Yeah. It's from Flash Gordon, oh. and... It's, he comes out as his character and you know the hero everyone thinks he's dead mm. and he goes Gordon's alive and it just became because he's got such this booming radar yeah. voice just became his, his catchphrase basically he also sparred with the Dalai Lama once <laughs> shut up yeah, not a proper spa. He went to interview him or visit him or something. And uh, there was a pair of old boxing gloves on the side. And he said, Go on, then give us a spa. So I think it was a sort of publicity spa. But right. still, sparred with the Dalai Lama. He's reached the top of Mount Aconagua in Argentina and Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. It, he's just had an insane life. I mean, wow, honest wow. to God. Um, he accidentally punched Peter Capaldi whilst filming a film and said, I thought I'd killed the poor bastard. <laughs> that was Facebook's that way. Probably. <laughs> I mean, he uh, he was also the voice of Boss Nass in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. The gu- You name it, he's probably had a hand in it.
3: You know that game of people play of like, oh, who would your dream dinner party guest be? Yeah.
1: I wouldn't invite him. He'd make everyone else feel inadequate.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's
3: true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I'm just going to read out as my final thing just a couple of answers uh, from a brilliant Guardian interview that he did a couple of years ago that went viral. Sorry, last year. Um, by the way, he trained at like the old Vic, and he once got a horse and cart down to London for his first day at theatre school with Patrick Stewart, and they they were covered in pigeon shit by the time they got there. So they say, "What is your greatest fear?" He says, "I have no fear at all." They say, "Which living person do you most admire and why?" The Dalai Lama, you know, post spa. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. Um what is your screensaver? What a what a very surface question to mm-hmm. ask. Lovely. Yeah. And he says, A photograph of the north face of Mount Everest. How lovely. I've been there three times. The last time I was only a few feet from the top, but I had to rescue a man who was dying. Wow. <laughs> Which living person do you most despise and why? Trump. He is a fart. <laughs> so he's a woke <laughs> bay as well. Um is um, that the
3: classification for woke now, you
1: think? Trump is a fart. <laughs> Trump, Trump is a fart. Low
3: standards, yeah.
1: yeah. He, so he's had two marriages. He, sadly, his daughter from his first marriage doesn't speak to him after they did a trek of Kilimanjaro together. Oh. What happened on that trek? I don't know. I um, do,
3: okay, so I'm just going to... This is an unrelentingly positive segment, so I'm just going to throw in a negative bit of Cheerios in here. Go on. Um It seems
1: like he talks about himself a lot. Oh, he absolutely does. You couldn't take him for more than an hour. No, it seems like way too much. Yeah, He's too extra. No. I mean, watch a few clips, make yourself feel nice for five minutes. And then, you know, you wouldn't want him to come to the dinner party, but you'd want to have him in a capacity for like seven minutes, knowing Mm. that he then had to leave, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm you come for the hors d'oeuvres. get everyone like warmed up
3: get Yeah. everyone like lubricated oh yeah. absolutely
1: yeah the warm up yeah. yeah yeah and then if Brilliant. there's an awkward
2: pause someone can be like how about Brian then
3: yeah. Brian was good
1: wasn't he yeah but not so much so that
3: everybody at the table wishes they were wherever Brian is
1: yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I feel like you wouldn't be able to have your own conversation no matter where he was in the room yeah, yeah. you'd be having the chat with the person next to you and they'd be like oh you know what I like working and he'd be
3: like, in oh, finance blah, 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 blah. yeah your ear would always be travelling to whatever is happening <laughs> over there even though you might have been very interested in the person you were talking to oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he's like a charisma black hole.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> Um But I'm going to end on something that he said that was very sweet. Um, they said, what was the best kiss of your life? And this lady is his second wife who he's still married to. And he said, kissing Hildegard Neal, it took greater courage to kiss her on the lips than it did to go up Everest. Aww. But yeah, blessed be Brian Blessed. Here, here. One of the last great English eccentrics. Who hasn't fondled someone?
2: So, as we know from episode 19, women haven't been allowed to eat carbohydrates in public since 1962. Ah, the glory days. (laughs) So, in this week's Women Who Code Mixer, we're punishing ourselves by talking about chips.
1: do you think microchips do oh they sit on short men's shoulders and cause them to be angry and show off about things uh, yeah in computing oh
3: you put you put the box in the space oven and then you get manky sabby crinkle cut
2: chips afterwards yeah that's uh microwavable chips oh. i think caroline oh.
1: do they help you find your dog
2: my dog is a microchip
1: yeah they they do help
2: you find your dog actually
1: Yay. Hey! well done third time lucky where is she right now look on the gps
3: <laughs> i did find somebody's dog and took them to the vet and got the microchip and then they called the person
1: and they didn't give me a reward oh, oh what?
3: i know i kept their dog overnight <gasps> i know i thought that was the whole
2: point that you'd come back and be like give yeah. me 20 quid <laughs> yeah i thought i'd get something but
1: no Nothing. Ah, it's not worth being a moral member of society. Absolutely not worth it, Now Maybe they can't incentivise that though because people would probably start stealing dogs. Yeah, that oh, is actually yeah. a big
2: problem in Ireland. Oh. So. Uh, so yeah, a microchip is a set of electronic circuits packaged on one piece of material uh, and it's normally silicon, which is where Silicon Valley comes oh. from.
3: Oh, not
1: Ooh, boobs.
2: Not boobs.
3: I did think it was boobs for years. I thought that's where maybe like so all the I. implants were done.
1: I just thought it was, yeah, that and sort of like where all the LA bimbos were. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, San Francisco, isn't it? Yeah, but that's how sheltered I was. Ah. Yeah, I
3: just thought California, like yeah, like
1: yeah, LA. That's a
2: town.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that side of the country.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're used for program logic, so like processors and things uh, for memory or RAM chips, which sounds random pretty access tasty. memory. Yeah, well done. Mm. And I got that from
1: my random memory. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right, Russell Brand. I know. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, And they're made up of lots of small transistors which are turned on or off by electrical signals. So there's literally hundreds of millions of transistors on each microchip. So they're really, really tiny. And there's this theory called Moore's Law that says that the amount of transistors on a chip will double every two years. (gasps) So it will get twice as small is that how that works every two years Mm. they get smaller and cleverer and they have more stuff on them and so far that law has held for over 26 years wow
1: wow yeah i'm sort of microchipped because i've got a contraceptive implant so do i
3: (gasps) oh maybe we're being spied on by the government do you think one day we're just gonna go rogue yeah yeah why hasn't there been like a dystopian science fiction about like women going rogue who have the implant Because men don't know about them, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and science fiction is written by men, classically. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah.
1: I always make men feel my microchip and they're like, I'm like, oh, sorry, can you not put a condom on again? I've got fucking chipped. Yeah. (laughs) For you.
2: Yeah. Uh, So yeah, apparently, the company Intel, they believe they will be able to produce a single microchip with the same number of transistors as there are neurons in the brain. By
1: the year 2026. That's when Elon Musk will be proven right.
2: Yeah, the singularity. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: So you kind of said
2: already that you've sort of both been microchipped, but there was a company in Sweden which has microchipped their employees. <gasps> and they no. can pay for stuff at work and, like, you know... Uh, use
1: it as a kind of access card to get into buildings mm. and stuff would you do that it's already creepy and it exists in the western world as well uh it's the fucking apple watch ah. which you know it's not scientifically proven but only twats have one
2: mm. yeah that's true i think i do like the idea of being microchipped in the sense that it would be quite easy for like all the important, boring stuff that you always worry about forgetting. So, like, my passport, if I'm going to go on holiday, or, like, when you go to the GP or something, and they're like, and have you had your jabs? I'm always like, I don't know. I've had some jabs
3: either five or nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Passport,
1: definitely. I always think, why the hell, in this day and age, do we have to make sure we don't lose a tiny book for ten years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. mental.
2: A piece of paper. It doesn't make sense. No. So I think I would be up for that. I would be up for having, like, really important data microchipped in yeah. me but I don't want to be able to like pay with it because paying for stuff is already yeah. too easy with like contactless and- yeah
1: and then what if you lent on something and bought a car you yeah. know what I, mean?
2: <laughs> I did look into how microchips are made and it's highly confusing oh. <laughs> so, so let's move briskly yes. on So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you okay. um so an integrated circuit or monolithic electronic, electronic overlords on ones cheaper plan- and faster than those constructed of discrete electronic components so there we go Oh, I understand. I like the bit about the giant chocolate dildo. Yes, Mm. yeah. I can't believe, like, none of it would have happened without that.
1: (laughs) Now, Hannah, you're going to go into the more legal side of the Panama Papers in that you're not going to touch on them at all, but you are going to touch on something else that isn't a Panama hat or money laundering.
2: Very good. Yes, Alex. Uh, I thought that it would be safer to just not talk at all about the Panama Papers mm. Uh, mm. so I'm talking about the Panama Canal
1: oh okay. that's where you hide all your money isn't it
2: it is yes yeah. um, and I thought as well it always seems to come up in old versions of Trivial Pursuits uh, yes and so that is it, true it's good to do this before Christmas so that Great. anyone who's that like stuck true. inside with their family if anyone's like one of the, one of the greatest engineering achievements they could be like Panama Canal agreed sorted yeah um, also, when I was researching this, I discovered that I think I thought it was the Suez Canal, uh, which is in North Africa. It's in Egypt. I'm and amazed it's, that
3: you know the name of more than one canals. I feel like I've heard of the Suez Canal, yeah. I've heard of ne- neither of these canals. I really? know
1: about the Panama Canal, but I don't know, as in where it is and why it was created, but I... And I know the name Suez Canal, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you where it was. No, exactly. I know the name Suez Canal, and I know that it's important. My birth canal is also one of the major man-made structures (laughs) available in the UK today. It's largely vacant. Mm. (laughs) It is very vacant.
2: It's looking for an owner. Looking for an investor. (laughs) Uh, Where is Panama?
1: Do you know where Panama is? Near Cuba? It is in Central America.
2: Very good, yes. And Panama is an isthmus. In Isthmus it's, it's, I can't like even Christmas. Isthmus I-S-T-H-M-U-S It means it's kind of a strip of land um, that's nearly an island but it's not an island it's just a really thin strip of land between the um, Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans and it links North and South America
1: ah. I imagine that they built it there because they were sick of going around the whole of South America to get to the West Coast Yeah,
3: Yeah That's exactly what they did, yeah can we pause the show so I can look at a picture of what the fuck you're talking about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the only person who's never been you know, Panama Canal. You know I've... this, you know, you know North America like this, right? Yeah. Then there's a tiny strip and then it's house. Obviously, if you were on a ship trying to get to California, you'd have had to go all the way down to fucking uh, the South Pole.
3: I'm seeing it now, I'm seeing it now.
2: Okay, I get it, I'm, I'm with you. One point to Alex. Thank you. At zero points, Caroline. So the, for,
3: for people who um, don't know and certainly not me, what is the Panama Canal? So the Panama
2: Canal is a canal... Mm-hmm. Uh, which Panama. boats can go through. And it's in Panama, yeah. And Panama is uh, in between North America and South America. It's just a little thin strip of land. Well, it's a country. Um, and they decided that it would be clever to build a canal there so that when ships are going from you know one side of the world to the other, they could go through the canal rather than having to go all the way around the south coast of South America, which would right. take ages. So Absolutely. when they built ages. it, um, they actually were saving 15,000 kilometres. Uh, they, oh, were, they were saving wow. all those ships 15,000 kilometres uh, compared to going around South America.
3: Wow. So was it only a country because to facilitate the canal?
2: Well, kind of. Like, it's quite complicated and I'm not sure I fully understand it, but I'm going to give you my version of mm-hmm. events. Um, so basically, Panama, I think, was part of Colombia. It was all one country. It certainly wasn't an independent country. Um, and... People had been saying for ages, oh, we should build a canal there. Like as early as the 1500s, someone had said, hey, we should build a canal there so we don't have to go all the way around South America. And kind of every hundred years or so, someone would come along and be like, I'm going to survey the land and we're going to talk about building a canal there. Um And it never happened because there's just lots of jungle, there's lots of rock. It would just be a really hard job. How do you pay for something like that as well? It's so expensive. Yeah, right. Well, what happened was America got involved. Of course, cash, cash, cash. Money, money, money. (laughs) But before America got involved, France came along and they were like, "Oh, we should build this canal here." And there was a man called Ferdinand de Lesseps who Mm. had built the Suez Canal, which is the one in Egypt. No one remembers Fernandos city And uh, Egypt, there's lots of sand. Mm-hmm. And they dug a big ditch in the sand. Like, sand's pretty easy to dig in, you know. Mm-hmm. You've mm-hmm. all dug a sand castle before. Yep. And so he was like, well, I've done this lovely canal in the Suez, so I can do this one in Panama. And uh, it's half as long, so I reckon it'll take like six
1: years. Um, and they were like, okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I love the idea of him coming with his CV. Like, yeah. <laughs> previous experience. Sewers canal. One, well, you're in. Canal.
2: <laughs> More canals than anyone else. Yeah. So he turned up in Panama with all of these workers and they started to try and cut down all this jungle or this vegetation and try and blow up all of these rocks to get them out of the way so they could create just a huge, huge, like, valley, which would be filled with water, which is kind of what a canal is, but it had to be deep because there'd be lots of heavy boats coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an absolute disaster. Obviously it was really jungly and there were loads of mosquitoes in oh, Panama no. and malaria. Yeah, and twenty thousand <gasps> over twenty thousand of his men died from malaria. Oh, and, oh my and and god accidents on the on the building the canal actually. Uh but the majority of them did die from malaria, which meant that then he kind of struggled to get people to hire people to come yeah. over because everyone was like, "Oh, well, I'm not going to go out to Panama cuz yeah. no one's coming back." Oh, laugh. Like that doesn't sound like fun. Um so he kind of basically failed uh and went back to France and there was a huge scandal about it and then Kind of work stopped on it for like I think 10 15 years or something. France wasn't going to be able to do it anymore. and then there was a guy who had invested in the project. he was going to lose all of his money if the project didn't happen. Um, and so what he did was he got his uh, you know high up political friends and people with money and stuff yeah. and he got them to basically get involved and he got America involved and America came and said, "Look, give us the land for the canal. we'll help you become an independent country." And that's how Panama became a country. And that's my very long winded answer to your question, Caroline. Oh, yeah, I forgot I had a question. Yes, I did answer it. Yeah. Long answer, though. So, when did it eventually get finished? So, this guy, Ferdinand de Lesseps, the French guy, he was building it um, in like the 1880s. um, And then he had to stop, and everyone went home. Uh, And then. And then the whole project was bought by the US in 1904. And the French had already done quite a lot of digging. So they just kind of carried on doing the digging. And I think it took them about 10 years. And then when it opened, when the first ship went through, it was like right at the start of the First World War. Um, So actually, it was really quite useful for everyone. Yeah,
1: good planning. Yeah. Almost as if they created the war to pay for the canal. Oh, my God. That's a great yeah. conspiracy theory. Mm.
2: It's mental, but also rooted in, like, vague logic, Yeah, you know? and the canal was more expensive than they'd originally wanted it to be because they realised they needed to make it deeper and wider so they could put heavier boats in. Because mm. if you've got, like, a cruise liner... Am I is... right, ladies? Sorry.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, because if you have, like, a cruise liner, then it's... It needs more canal. You can't put a cruise liner down a stream. Correct,
1: Mm. as I always say. (laughs) That is a good metaphor for giving birth. You cannot put a cruise liner down a stream. And yet they do. And yet it happens. (laughs) The other way in which the Panama
2: Canal is different to the Suez Canal, uh, which is the one that they built in Egypt, is that the Panama Canal has locks.
1: Oh, God, they they must be giant. Yeah, they're absolutely
2: flippin' massive locks. They're a kilometre long and they're super wide and they've got these little trains that go up the side I spent a lot of time today watching like real-time trips through the Panama Canal and <laughs> <laughs> basically everyone's uncle at Christmas yeah. sat in the corner with yeah. my history book oh wow <laughs> with the encyclopedia you could only
1: afford to buy P <laughs> yeah
3: I imagine that's like all of that is like sunburned American men going through the canal with their like flip out the camcorders oh, being oh yeah so Definitely. this is the
1: canal Definitely. This is the port that had to halt when they didn't have enough money, but then the <laughs> <laughs> I'm fascinated by exactly. canals. Yeah.
2: And now we're going through Gatton, like there's a lake in the middle of it as well. That's quite cool, isn't what? it? And what they did was they had to like flood a valley basically to create this lake because it was I'm not sure the, the most efficient way to do it or the easiest way to do it. So sometimes you can still see like trees poking out of it. <gasps> Shit, man. Yeah, around like the shallow areas. They like it must have displaced a lot of
1: people and wildlife.
2: Yeah, I didn't see anything <laughs> about that on my Googling, no. uh, which seems a bit strange. Maybe it was
1: all wild lands, though, if it was very jungle-y.
2: Yeah, potentially. It was It was pretty dense jungle, and there were venomous snakes and things. <gasps> oh,
3: well, fuck that. Yeah. yeah, so
1: maybe people didn't live there. Get
2: out of here,
3: snakes.
1: Yeah. I think, actually, the Panama Hat is to do with the Panama Canal. They started wearing them when they were in the sun. building it that makes
2: total sense good factoid yeah so yeah so it was all generally like really impressive uh and it was kind of it was kind of like a way for america to really show off about what they could do because people have been talking about doing this canal for ages and then america was just like we're gonna do the canal and it was kind of one of those, you know, waving your dick
1: around so Oh, of, yeah. And of course, of they are uh, notoriously modest people. Mm. Yeah, no, and exactly. What, what yeah. year was this?
2: This would have been like. This was like, yeah, it was finished in 1914. And basically. this is like
3: peak waving your dick around, like, times, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. There's like, too many
2: dicks spoiling the broth for everybody at this point. <laughs> Yeah. So, but now it's considered one of the one of the seven great wonders of the modern world because it is so impressive that they managed to do it, oh. um, which is quite nice. And then um, the other interesting thing I found about it as well is that obviously, because then America had this land in Panama and uh, the Panamanians, which I've learned is what you mm. called them, mm. very cool, kind of didn't quite get on sometimes with the Americans that lived in the in the Panama Canal Zone, which was like the American side of it. And so there were a few sort of like skirmishes and then it all kicked off in 1964 uh, and it was all because Panamanians wanted to put their nation's flag next to the US flag in the canal zone because they were like, yeah, the US built it, but like with lots of our workers and mm. we're here and it's our country. So, you know,
1: uh, we're a very that. reasonable request. I would
2: Absolutely. Say. I think so. And JFK signed off on it and was like, yeah, they can put their flag up. And then he died. <gasps> so Because um, of Brian Blessed's pregnancy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It all links up. Mm,
2: yeah. Makes sense, guys. Uh, And then so then it didn't happen. And then there was all this kind of aggro about the flag and there were riots. There was a three day riot in which 21 people died. And then in 1977, the presidents of the two countries signed this treaty that would uh, transfer control of the canal back to Panama in 1999. Can you imagine in 1977, you'd have been like 1999 in 22 years like that will be the future. But we'll have our canal. How weird to be like, we're going to do that in 22 years. Mental. But yeah, so then it was... Transferred peacefully to Panama in December 1999.
1: Probably because they found a fucking leak in it
2: or something. Probably.
1: <laughs> yeah, give them it now peacefully. Say we're same <laughs> fine about it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, and the Panamanians have been responsible for it ever since. Oh. Um, and then they expanded it as well. So now it can have bigger ships. And they made this ship called the Panamax, as in like the maximum, <gasps> the biggest ship that can go down the Panama Canal. They called it the Panamax ship. And now they've had to have another one called the Post Panamax ship. Because <laughs> <they can have laughs> quite um, bigger.
1: The Super Duper Panamax. <laughs> so
0: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
1: And now the end is near. And so we face the final section which is singing isn't it Caroline?
3: It is singing
1: I'm actually really impressed
3: by how um, long you did that without laughing Thank you very much The I only person singing loves
2: them. the chance to like show off about her singing We know that we I all know don't that. Yeah. You guys
1: are the only people that think I can sing so maybe I use this as my one platform
2: <laughs> I love that Like the thing that we offer
3: the thing that we take the piss out of you the most is that you're a good singer and we're like oh Alex having a sing there RIS, <laughs> having a classically good sing in the corner your own experience <laughs> Experiencing your own joy in your own body. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I know, there's worse things, isn't there? Eh? <laughs> Get out. Get <laughs> the fuck out. Um, yeah, so uh, Laura, uh, a listener who contacted us on Twitter, um, has given you a perfect excuse to show about today. Oh. So you can send her some flowers later. Please. Um, she asked a very interesting question that I had often thought about myself. Which is um, why do people lose their accent or sing in an American accent when they sing? Also, people who do sing in an accent are they just putting it on?
1: Ah, that is very true. It's also, a very good one. people with like stutters and stuff when they sing, it doesn't to play. Yeah, it's the thing. Gareth, f- Gates. Gareth, Gareth Gates, Gates. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Damn it.
3: I remember being so heartbroken when I was a teenager, that or when I was a child, really, um, that Gareth Gates didn't win because he had overcome so much adversity. Yeah, and then now I see, like, no, Will Young was always supposed to yeah. win. he was chosen by God himself.
1: I always loved Will Young. Um,
3: so obviously I didn't want to answer one question for yeah. our entire topic, so sure. I got thinking about singing in general, and um. I got quite moved. <laughs> like, literally, like, I felt quite emotionally moved learning about singing today. Like, it's a huge subject and, you know, biologically it means a lot, like, culturally it means a lot, but it's this thing where in order for someone to sing, even, like, not well, like, yeah. even just to sing a standard happy birthday, which, as we know, the worst thing that can possibly happen to a human being yeah. is to have to sing happy birthday in an office setting. Oh, yeah. horrendous. But even to do that, four things have to happen at the same time, right? Your lungs control your air supply, right? So they're sending the air up your throat, yeah. really. Um, your larynx, which um, exists kind of in your at the base of your throat, I suppose. Cool. Um, yeah. That kind of acts as a reed, like how you would in a wood, a wood instrument, like, like a kind of percussion sort of thing. Right. Um, your chest kind of amplifies the sound. And then your mouth, which actually forms the words that you're saying. And if you think about, like, that's four different bits of your body that have to work at the exact same time for no biological reason.
2: Yeah, it's not like talking where you're like, well, that, that's helpful for our survival. Yeah, because yeah. then we can tell people to run away from that huge elephant behind you. It's completely, like run or eating away. or sex, like all of
3: these things, they all include like your body doing a complex thing. But like singing is just like this thing that your body just knows how to do, even though it's there's no survival instinct
2: for it. Yeah, do you know what I mean?
1: Isn't that kind of like it's very Nice, nice
2: that it's so it's such a kind of yeah leisure item.
1: Like right, it really is. Like it shouldn't be taxed. It is a luxury.
3: Isn't yeah, it? it's a luxury item. It's like sometimes I'm um, so I uh, sing in a band called Greyhounds, 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 and sometimes when we've had a really good time singing together, I have that feeling that you get after you've had really excellent sex, right. where you're like, "That was free, like <laughs> that was totally, totally free." Yeah, and um, I can imagine. Yeah, well I mean you love to sing as well as we know. And I I think it's like there's something like really kind of wonderful about that. Like um so there's like the way that singing sort of affects us sort of mentally and as groups is actually really fascinating. Um so like we all know that people, like, when they sing together, it's generally in a choir or in a devotional way, right? Yeah. Like, I know quite a few people who aren't even really that religious, but who sing in kind of choir settings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, literally, when you sing together, like, musical vibrations move through you. If you sing alone, you get a kind of a musical vibration that moves through you. But if you sing together, it sort of, like, releases this mass endorphin sort of thing. That I think that's why, like... It's so closely related with God, like it's kind of that same sort of feeling. Yeah, because you
1: think you feel very spiritual, but it's yeah, probably you the feel like endorphins. You're
2: part, part of a bigger thing. Yeah, part of a bigger plan.
1: You're having a group climax.
2: You are having a group climax, like like the way that they describe
3: it, like the way that um, it does because it, it does release endorphins in your brain and oxytocin, which are the same things that you get for falling in love and for sex and everything. And like it's that it has a very specific. Like thing on your brain where it makes you like calm but energized at the same time. Yeah. Like you know when you've had a shag and you feel like you could you could either have a nap or write a novel. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You're like, quickly, I'm going to write some fucking poetry here. Yeah. <laughs> Which men don't get. I don't. I don't no, understand why they that just, is. They it's, just always want to sleep. <laughs> it's always the nap
3: option for them. Always the nap option.
1: That's uh, why they have to become alcoholics to write poetry because they don't get the same buzz. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Um, so, I mean, that brings us to, uh, Laura's question, which is the singing in an accent thing, which is really interesting, um, because if you think of all, like, the most famous singers, like, even Adele sings in this, like, like, like she's
1: sort of faux American, like, yeah. not really pronounced, but, like, a yeah, yeah, um, and
3: she's got, and you hear her talk, and she's got this, like, North London accent, yeah. And, yeah and uh, then you've got Bono like he's Irish but he sings oh, yeah. in an American accent but then you get like Irish folk singers like Liam Clancy and he then... probably does
1: that for tax reasons together. yeah he does
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah you get Irish folk singers who like literally their whole stock and trade is singing a bit like this oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Lily Allen field. as well from you know yeah oh again. yeah
2: So
1: there's sun is this... in the sky
3: oh why oh why so there's this really weird cultural divide of people who do sing with accents and people who don't sing with accents. And yeah. even, like, um, there was this woman who did a study on the Arctic Monkeys, uh, which is really... I know. I knew you'd love that. I knew you'd have a little moan when that <laughs> oh, came yeah. up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, she was studying their, like, effect on music in the early noughties and how they sort of, like, were, like, at the apex of this sort of... Northern
1: uh, Indie, basically. Yeah, Northern uh, Indie you know, yeah,
3: yeah. thing, yeah. And about how, like, that was, like, coming off the tail end of a really big era for like modulated voices in pop and it was like you know like uh auto-tuning and stuff and like yeah, uh, yeah. you know everyone sounds a bit the same yeah, 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 yeah. kind of thing and share then believe <laughs> 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 yeah but then the, the monkeys come along and they're the, the, the specificity of them because the specificity of their lyrics is i think what what made me love them because they'd be talking about like you know cell phone like that fucking like yeah
1: like getting a cab after a yeah, night out and Oh, that shit. Yeah, what's that? There's only music,
3: so that there's new, new ringtones. <laughs> I was like, I remember when I was 14 being like, that is awesome. That, that is, is genius. Big. Genius. Um, but yeah, so I think like, people had a flavour for when they heard that, being like, oh, like something that's come to break the norm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it
1: was refreshing. I remember it at the time.
3: Um, So the kind of reasoning why uh, people tend to sing as a default in an American accent is uh, two things. It's like a linguistic thing and a social thing. So like linguistically, the very process of singing neutralizes your accent altogether. So your accent, the thing that makes an accent an accent is largely created through your intonation, your vowels, Uh, your vowel length. Oh, yeah. Um, Those are the main things that like make up an accent. Do you know what I mean? And... uh, And all of these things are affected when we sing. So in singing, syllables are lengthened, airflow is increased, articulation is less precise, and all of these things also happen to share the same things as American accents. Do you know what I
1: mean? Yeah. I'm just picturing Adele being like, Hello, (laughs) it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: but there, then there's also the like other argument which is that it's a social thing because pop music was invented in America because yeah. soul music was invented in America and that completely understands like Adele because of her like she does like yeah. pop bangers like but they're all rooted in that soul tradition yeah. aren't they like so that's just like what the cultural memory is yeah. you know what I mean
1: it's true yeah
3: like and like you never think pop music and think someone singing in English accent do you know what I mean it sounds
1: too posh wouldn't it yeah, yeah. you can't be like get out Right now, (laughs) it's
3: the end of you and me. Um, So the next thing I looked into is what separates a good singer from a bad singer? Because I think basically the last thing that somebody will admit about themselves is that they're a good singer. Like, even you, Alex, like, you are. And you're like, no, I'm
1: not, guys. No. Honest opinion is that I've got an all right voice. And that's me not being faux modest and not also being show off. Honestly. That's my genuine opinion. Okay. Not it's- bad. I don't think I've got a bad voice in any way. <laughs> I love how like, you're so squirmy. You're like, sure, make an end. <laughs> but I like it when you say I've got a nice one.
2: But it's so Indeed. connected with like like inherently good values, isn't it? It's like someone could say, yeah. you're tall, and I'd be like... Well, I mean, obviously, that's not true for me. But I'd be yeah. like, okay, like yeah, it's not like a thank you. Um, mm. Whereas if someone says, like, oh, you're really beautiful, you'd be like, ooh. Yeah. Or if you're a good singer, it's like... If that's associated with like an intrinsically good thing. It is,
3: yeah. Like, it's so I was thinking a lot about this, and though I couldn't like find anything on it, I was thinking about like you know, um, ten years ago when like singing competitions on TV were like the only thing people seemed to be watching. Do yeah. you know what I mean? They were huge. Like it was, you weren't never not talking about the X yeah, Factor yeah. or whatever. And there was always this conflation of like um a person could sing well, therefore they were a good person, yeah and they had a redemptive storyline and that yeah. was the thing and part of that is reality t v but part of it is I think that people do really believe that someone who can sing well is also like a divine human yeah like the yeah. voice of an angel how yeah how much time do you how many times do you hear that and I think it's because most people's like
2: earliest singing the contact with it is
3: to do with through church or through religious
2: stuff do you know what I mean yeah. but also through their mothers if mothers are singing to little yeah. kids and they're like who is
1: this angel who feeds yeah. me and
3: comforts yeah. me and, and they singing
2: lullabies and stuff everything so. about it
3: is a little bit divine isn't it Yeah,
1: yeah also let's not pretend that the reason that Susan Boyle is famous was because essentially what the whole of society was saying is I can't believe that not-very-attractive woman has an attractive voice. Yeah. That's her whole thing. That ugly woman has a totally unrelated skill.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's so weird. It's very, very strange the way we view it as, like, a society. But actually, um, around 2% of the population are tone deaf. Like, then you know, people will, like, say, oh, I can't. Yeah,
1: people will never admit it. Like, my best pal always says, oh, I can't hold a tune. I'm like, you can yeah, because most
3: people can just—that's the weird thing. Most people are just kind of born with the ability to do it, um, to like not like not everyone well, but competently. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, Um, so two percent of the population have you know ton- are tone deaf. Um, which impairs their ability to detect the difference between musical notes. So that's what that means, essentially. Um, but the remaining 98% of us are all, like, incredibly similar biologically in our um, ability to create a nice sound. Yeah. Um, and the only thing that generally fluctuates that, like, when somebody is, like, naturally really good at singing, um, it's down to the shape of their mouth more than anything else. Oh. Really? Because, like, your timbre, so, or, like, your, um, essentially the acoustics in your mouth, <laughs> like, uh, they they change kind of considering to face shapes and cavities and like even their, where your teeth are you know um wow. so that is the major fluctuating difference but even like classical music people are like um we get more prodigies in violin than we do in singing you know and but i think that we we're used to thinking like oh charlotte church you know people who are just born but actually most people can be trained to be above average you know
1: my friend who was a classically trained singer said everybody can sing or you know 98% can sing if you are taught she was like you're not all gonna be Mariah Carey but everybody could be taught to to, like you say to sing fairly decently yeah like whenever I watch um, (laughs) RuPaul's Drag Race which is all the time
3: yeah um, there's almost
1: every season there's always like a
3: singing challenge even though like it's a not a singing show, yeah. Um, and the, these people, the people, the things that they put these people through—like they make them strip they make them sew their own outfits, they do them, make them do all kinds of things. But when you tell like an incredibly confident man who wears a dress for a living that he has to sing in front of twelve people, the the meltdowns, yeah. are insane. People yeah, yeah, like would yeah. rather. Would rather show their bare assholes than like <laughs> yeah. be, than have to sing alone on stage. You know it's mean? insane. Yeah. It's
2: so it's so strange. But I think it's harder as well. It's one of those things. If someone was like, "Oh, go up and like perform this Shakespeare script," you'd be like, "You can kind of you can kind of put a bit of like ironic comedy in it or something." Yeah. Whereas like singing does feel very unironic. It feels really sincere, yeah. doesn't it? Especially if you are kind of using that American accent, and it's like, "Oh, they're using an American accent, so they must think they're good." and it's like you're bearing your soul to them Uh,
3: it's like you can't
1: win unless you're an insanely
3: talented singer and also you can't hide either that's the the sense there is a sense that you're on display and that like it's just gonna come out you know what I mean it's kind of almost like the closest thing we have to having a public soul yeah just standing naked on a stage yeah it's very funny Um, so I asked our friend uh, Kit Lovelace because he uh, works a lot with music uh, what is the common thing that happens with voices in uh, lots of different songs Uh, because he's done a lot of work analysing different songs and why certain ones are popular why certain ones win the Eurovision Um, and Kit says that one of the commonest things in uh, Eurovision winning songs and in big pop songs in general is the D5 note so a significant number of hits uh, top out at the D5, which is sort of between a second D and a middle C, and above a middle C. Can we see if we can play it? That's yeah. what I say,
2: yeah. Um, this is the D5 okay.
3: note. Oh, so apparently most pop songs will top out at that note. And um, that's because most uh, women, like there's kind of three kind of vocalists you can be. You can be a soprano, so that's very high, a mezzo soprano, so slightly lower, and a contralto, which is the lowest. And that note is the easiest for like all of them to sing. Five? yeah, that's good. Another thing that um, Kate mentioned in a piece of work that he did was that uh, most like top songs with women in them, uh, the last verse will always be a cappella.
1: You know oh, what really? What I
3: mean? Yeah, it'll be like, you know, will go from like a really high production to like single strum of an acoustic, single strum of an acoustic, and then
1: chorus again. Yeah, oh, I know yeah. what you mean. Like Beyonce, I'm thinking um, of. I can't think of a song, but. Like We Are
3: Never Getting Back Together is one of them as well. Yes, that's singing. Cool. Very interesting. <gasps> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> we should harmonise. How do we do that?
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you
2: sounds terrible
1: <laughs> and now time for our smart lesson this week we're tackling literature as we all know reading is good and makes us smart women agreed mm, Yeah, agreed I love literature <laughs> <laughs> but guys what you might not know is if you read the wrong books you're actually better off reading nothing at all how so Well, for example, if you're reading Nora Ephron and or people like in that series set in Naples where the covers look like they've come straight out of the bargain bucket.
3: The Ferrari novels
2: about two women who have a car together. (laughs) Is that the Ferrante trilogy, Alex?
1: Exactly. Those ones are okay. But others aren't. Caroline, what did I spy you reading the other day on lunch? It had a picture of an icy crown on the front and the edges of the pages were black.
3: Yeah, it's the Three Crowns trilogy. It's about um, three sisters who all have a special power. Uh, They're really good. Right. But
1: uh, yeah, they're not. That's the precise reason why you're not allowed to read them, isn't it? You cannot be seen with a fun book. How's anyone get ever going to respect you with a fun book? I don't know. Yeah, it's true. What if I take the dust jacket
3: off and it's just like a hardback black book and no one knows?
1: Serious books never had co- have coloured pages at the edges. Oh, mm, sorry. Yeah, it's true. So, um, dare I ask, Harry Potter? Harry Potter is a very specific beast, Hannah. Uh, Women around thirty-two and older will look at you as if you are, in fact, Voldemort. If you admit to liking and/or reading Harry Potter, Um, they'll scoff, tell you that they were too old for it, never got it, and don't like it. However, they will have never read it. Oh, they'd have seen the films though. Oh, like mm, three of them. Yeah, just to sort of slag you off about it. Yeah, they would have banned
3: one out to Daniel Radcliffe at some point as well. Oh, fully. Yeah. Yeah, but they
1: will. They will say that you're a moron for reading them. Okay, yeah. Um, women younger than this won't mind. So it's sort of up to you who you tell, really. Yeah, women younger than that will basically like ostracise you if you don't know
3: exactly what, what house you belong to. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah.
2: So apart from Harry Potter, how do we know which books we can and can't read in order to be a smart woman?
1: Luckily for you, Hannah, I've devised a handy checklist to help you. Ah. Number one, are you enjoying the book? Okay. If you are, throw it away. <laughs> okay it's not the one yeah it's not a smart woman's book um, do you completely understand
3: what's going on if- oh some of the time some of the time I think I'm reading a straightforward thing about about like a man and his, his struggle to find a woman that understands him, mm-hmm. but then it'll just be like a thing about about a panda and consumerism in society. You
1: know? Oh, well, that could pass. Oh, okay. You oh, know? good. I mean, that's, you know, because that's subversive, you can, you can have a debate about it, it yeah. sounds quite wanky. So mm-hmm. you, sh- you shouldn't understand what's going on? No, you mostly shouldn't understand, but you have oh. to say that you do. Oh, yeah. of course, yeah. You can so, grasp the basic plot, yeah, but all the, like...
3: Subliminal themes,
1: you'll have to look them up afterwards. There's no way that you can get it. Spark notes, great.
2: Yeah. Does Um, it count if if you say that you didn't understand it, but you understood some of it? So like, Moby Dick, I didn't understand all the bits with the whales.
1: Okay, I mean, that's very honest, Mm. but you're never going to get into a boardroom with that attitude. Oh, God. You know?
2: Right, okay. I'll keep it to myself.
1: Could it be studied and dissected for an A-level English exam? Because, you know, usually, basically, you're allowed to read a book if ostensibly it's really boring and shite, but the characters can be analyzed a lot like fuck all happens over 600 pages but like one of the characters is fighting a secret you know a oh, dark history yeah dark with history her father mm-hmm. yeah um question 4 is there any magic or supernatural elements involved oh mm, it's a very
3: tricky one because sometimes it's very literate if there's magic in it. Mm-hmm. Like um, bloody 100 Days of Solitude or whatever. Oh, that's true. Or Murakami. Yeah, Murakami. Very literate, very magic. They pass, sure. If you're yeah. a, if you're doing magic and you're a man, uh, that's a lot. Very that's subtle that's magic. Oh, of course,
1: yeah. Yeah. But and if, if you're, you're like a big old
3: witch, then get out. Yeah, if you're just some Wiccan who enjoys magic, yeah, yeah. You, you aren't serious.
1: Yeah,
2: and it has to have a minimalist cover.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If someone older than you lent you the book... Probably Ooh. a good one. Okay. You can pass mm. for that. If it's ever been on offer in a shop, no, no, no. Oh, what about charity shops? Mm. Yeah, that's fine. And yeah. most classics are free now. On like Kindle
3: and stuff. Like you can read Wuthering Heights for free.
1: Pff, I'll pass. Yeah. Pay a quid, read something about ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there a new foreword by Stephen Fry?
2: Oh, or like Louis Theroux.
1: Mm. Does he do them? Mm. Yeah, probably. Yeah. If so, absolutely fine. Cool. Bring it out, whatever, in front of anybody mm-hmm. you want,
2: or
3: the um, the writer's uh, daughter. Do you know what I
1: mean? Mm, yes. It's like my
3: mother always knew her writing would be enjoyed by other women.
1: Yeah, and which links nicely into my last question, which is: Is it an inexplicably rich white woman lamenting on her life for seven hundred pages?
3: Is this just a way for you to mount your hatred of Joan Dilly in a public way? Joan, we're watching.
2: Thanks, Alex. That brings us to the end of the show. If you're still confused about which books to read, always remember you can just listen to our podcast all the time over and over again instead. Thanks, Laura, for asking us about singing. Thank you, Laura. Thanks also to Harry Harris for our jingle, Gavin Day for our logo, and Soho Radio Studios for the recording space. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do feel free to send us three pounds for a coffee on ko-fi.com.
1: Three English pounds! Money
2: we can buy! Food and underwear, and occasionally a pad. (laughs) Goodbye!
3: We should sing more. Ooh, I just pulled the best mole hair out of the mole of my leg. Oh, well done. Mm.